0: Was it the Sun what won it? The referendum, uh, that is, uh, for Britain to leave the EU. That's the question we'll be asking on this week's Journalism Matters podcast. Uh, Not just the Sun, but also the Daily Mail, Telegraph titles and the Express titles. So all these uh, papers were strongly biased in the final month of the referendum campaign, uh, reflecting a uh, pro-Brexit viewpoint, not just in their leader columns, but also uh, in their editorial pages too. To talk about this, um, I've got uh, The Sun's associate editor, Trevor Kavanagh, who's uh, a political columnist for the paper, a former political editor, uh, who's been with The Sun for 40 years. And to uh, look also at this issue, I've got Evan Harris, the uh, former Lib Dem MP and uh, an executive director of the uh, campaign group Hacked Off. First up, Trevor Kavanaugh. What your thoughts were, really, this, the extent to which, so that, I suppose you can speak for The Sun, yeah, the, the Sun was sort of um, leading, or the the extent to which it was really um, reflecting and resonating what, what it was hearing, and you know, what it thought that, that its readers were worried about?
1: Yes, I think that um, um, it's the latter of the two because we have had a view on the European Union And it's um, grand design for a very long time. And throughout that period, 30 or 40 years, uh, that has been matched by and led by, indeed, in many cases, by our readership, which has been two to one um, um, a skeptical compared with a a, um, a Euro uh, file sort of audience about. um, And that includes everything uh, from. The uh, origins of the single currency, the exchange rate mechanism, right through the um, moves towards a closer union and uh, the Maastricht Treaty, and then the um, uh, constitution and the um, Lisbon Treaty that uh, supplanted that. Mm. That uh, feeling by our readership has actually grown, if anything, over the years, and we would have been remiss not to represent it. I've had. Um, uh, calls from um, papers in Europe about this um, editorializing um, which they regard as rather strange and um, it is probably, perhaps at any rate um, unique to Britain that newspapers take a particular stance on a political issue, but it's not new Mm. Uh, it's always been the case I think we have a very diversified press which is not the case in all other countries, we have people we have papers on the left and on the right, and uh, allegedly on the independent center ground too. And all of them express their views, not least of which would be, for instance, the Financial Times, which has been Mm. uh, vehemently pro-European for at least the last 20 years, Mm. and um, has made no secret of the fact that it's partisan. And and indeed has lost a lot of credibility in the city because it has presented only one side, the project fear argument throughout
0: the campaign mm. yeah that's interesting i suppose following on from that i mean uh, what's your what's your sense of the extent to which the uh, the press i guess sort of fleet street um, may have had an influence on the uh, on the result um, going one way or the other Well, i, I think that
1: after um, being been academic attempts to research this mm. And as you will know, yeah. um, uh, after the uh, 1997 election, after in fact the 1992 election in which we, well, in the eyes of some, inf- infamously said that somewhat yeah. won it. Yeah. Um, that was possibly um, an emotional spasm of release, actually, rather than a claim of actual um, yeah. impact, because um, Martin Linford, who subsequently he was a, he was a former Guardian journalist who became an academic and then an MP, a Labour MP, Mm. um, carried out a research on it and said that basically it was 50-50, almost an inconsequential impact of newspapers on readers because most readers form an opinion well in advance of an event, whether it's an election or a referendum Mm. and uh, I think that there are some variations obviously and we don't know to what extent but I think, if anything, um, it was the Remain camp and Project Fear which influenced people more than the uh, Brexit campaign. And I suspect that had the um, Remain camp um, delivered a more upbeat and sunny view of what life was like, uh, arguing the benefits of being remaining in the European Union, they would have um, they would have done better. But um, on the other hand, Project Fear certainly, as Kelvin McKenzie has admitted, um, caused the buyers remorse after a lot of people wonder whether they have done the right thing. Mm. I don't know, frankly, which is which. There will have been a lot of people who worried about their mortgages and their uh, inflation and uh, the national debt and the possibility of a horrendous budget. But, you know, events have proven that they were not. Justified. We haven't had an emergency budget. We won't have an emergency budget. Inflation yeah. isn't going to soar, and stock market has actually bounced back to record highs.
0: And just on the, um, you mentioned the FT, and I don't know, it struck, it struck me that um, the um, the sort of pro-leave papers were, just, were a lot more uh, strident uh, in their support of the um, leave argument, and perhaps that's why they won the argument because the. Um, the pro-Remain papers seemed rather kind of uh, limp, uh, you know, limp-hearted about it and, they, and only really coming to view quite near the end. I don't know uh,
1: that was yours. I absolutely disagree with yeah. that point yeah. of view. Yeah. I think that the reason that the um, uh, Brexit arguments resonated was because they had justification in yeah. them yeah. and I think the reason that the Remain arguments failed was because yeah. they were as you say, limp. and uh, basically was hanging on to the the fear of something worse. The arguments for striking out on our own were cast by the Remain camp as Little England xenophobia. Mm. But it's not true, because as you will see, Mm. what we were saying out loud, and because we'd had the opportunity to put it into a referendum argument, was actually the same, if not more, restrained in many ways Mm. um, as the... um, views across the channel in countries like France, Germany, Italy and the southern states where they've actually been on the receiving end of the policies which the Remain camp thought were so wonderful, but which those who had been on the receiving end of the euro had found extremely punishing. And it didn't take much surely to say you only have to look at the euro and its consequences to see that the European Union grand project is in fact a flawed enterprise, and it isn't necessarily wholly uh, going in the right direction, it is perhaps arguably going in wholly the wrong direction. And uh, so when you have a, a Pew Research Studies opinion poll showing more than 60% in France of all countries wishing they could follow us into a referendum <laughs> and vote out, that tells you something. It? It's not just Little England.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thanks think And the, um, I suppose the uh, just a quick, uh, quick one. I mean, people, I, I, people will do dissertations on this, and they'll tot up the number of articles which have been, re- which appeared in papers favouring uh, Remain, favouring Leave. And I think you probably find that in the sun that the uh, there wasn't, um, you know, um, it wasn't, shall we say, precisely balanced. There was probably, uh, you, you probably weighted the editorial coverage in in favour of Leave. Um, you know, rather than um, uh, you know being scrupulously fair as a broadcaster might be. I mean, is that is that a fair comment? And is that is that right? You know, should should we be more? Should we should we should we, should we strive to be balanced in journalism? No, I
1: don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, newspapers should say what they think. They should reflect the views of their readers, and they should also uh, carry through the arguments they think are the correct arguments. And I think mm-hmm. whichever way you look at this, Europe isn't working very well. Mm-hmm. When you've got unemployment across Europe, which is Double the average rate across Europe to, to what Britain's rate is. Something is going seriously wrong. And if you can just look at that and say, "Oh, look, we've got to give an even balance to that," and say there are good things about unemployment, then I think you're barking up the wrong tree. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, look, uh, thanks. For that and so sort of final question. I know you probably get asked this a lot. But I mean, you know, the extent to which um, this this was a, this yeah. decision finally to. Um, you know, g- go out and say, right, vote, um, vote leave, you know, d- 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 is Rupert Murdoch involved in those decisions or, you know, how does it, how does it work? Was it just down to the editor and the senior team? I mean, how does it, how does it work? Um, the Sun has had a stance on the European Union
1: for the 40 years that I've been associated with it, first as political editor and then as yeah. chief leader writer and then as columnist. And, um, we've had a view from up yours to laws and, yeah. All at goal and, and so on and so on, yeah. which has been consistent, honourable, legitimate and, yeah. uh, and accurate, as things turned out. Yeah. It would have been wholly yeah. bizarre yeah. if at the referendum we turned around and said, oh well, maybe we should stay.
0: So next up, I spoke to Evan Harris, who's the executive director of Hacked Off, has been a strong critic of the uh, tabloid press and of The Sun in particular over a number of years. What, 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 what's your response to um, what Trevor Kavanaugh said there? You know that um, he, I mean he, he feels that the sum has been entirely honourable in the way in the way it's behaved and the way it's reported this uh, important issue. I mean, what's your take on the way that the press has covered um, covered the uh, Brexit and aftermath? The point from the public
2: interest is not about balance. The press are entitled to be partisan uh, and they're entitled to take sides. But given that they are signed up to a a standards code of their own, um, of, of, of their own creation. What they're not entitled to be, according to clause one of that code, is to issue, uh, publish inaccurate, uh, misleading, or distorted information. Mm. And it's very clear, just looking at what happened, that several newspapers, especially on the Brexit side, in many cases on page one or at least in splash headlines inside published information that was clearly inaccurate and distorted and misleading. Now, no one's arguing that there should be any prior restraint in any effective system of press regulation, but what Leveson said made clear was that there had to be adequate remedy, and that means that there needed to be prompt and uh, equivalent prominence corrections. Now, most of those stories were not corrected at all, even though they were inaccurate, false or misleading. Mm. Um, And those that were, were corrected in tiny writing on an inside page. Mm. So a fraction of the people who will have read and assuming they believe their newspapers have been misled uh, on this important question in a referendum um, of public policy, were never disabused of what they had been told. And on the one occasion, the one occasion where Ipso intervened on the famous Sun's Queen-backed Brexit front page banner headline, mm. uh, it, instead of taking 10 minutes to show that there was nothing in the article that could justify the headline, which is all it would take, mm. they took 10 weeks to require the Sun only to print nothing on the front page, no correction at all, but a small print uh, version of their adjudication on page two. That meant, I would say, Probably 1% of the people who were misled by the false found by their own uh, regulator, the regulator that the press set up and control, their own regulator found it was false. And yet uh, 99% of the people who saw it were never disabused by the sun, and the sun in fact were allowed... To reject the findings altogether of their own regulator. Now, I think that's a major problem. If a doctor was found to breach their own standards code by the General Medical Council and came out afterwards and said they'd do it again, Hmm. and did it again, uh, like The Sun did a few weeks later, uh, then they'd be in real trouble. But the press don't have anything other than a sham regulator. And, of course, it's no coincidence that sitting on the board of this sham regulator is Trevor Cavendish, the associate editor of The Sun, who presumably agrees with his editor that Ipso got it wrong um, and shows that the whole thing is a farce. Do you
0: think the press coverage might have... um might have have had a decisive um, impact on the way things are gone.
2: It's hard to say whether uh, accurate press coverage uh, would have made a difference, but if um, newspapers like The Mail, The Star, The Express and The Sun, who have been identified, and this has never been rebutted by them, by the Infax organisation led by a senior journalist from Reuters, shown to have published over a dozen false front page or page lead stories uh, that created you effectively lies because i think they knew they were false uh, then that could have had an effect now in a, with a free press it's impossible to complain as strongly if accurate stories, which are biased in the sense that they only put one side in their newspaper, uh, influence their readers and the electorate. But one can legitimately complain if the press fails to follow their own standards code, their useless sham regulator fails to do anything about it, and millions of people uh, were misled. Um, by inaccurate stories stories known to be inaccurate that were distorted or misleading basically propaganda printed in the newspapers the newspapers can't have it both ways they can't say they're entitled to present to their readers their view uh, when at the same time in cases that view is is misleading distorted or inaccurate breaching their own code that's the problem they face and unfortunately um the people responsible for this in senior positions are never held to account by interviewers,
0: um, or by their own so-called regulator, which is, of course, a sham. Okay, so that concludes this week's Journalism Matters podcast. Uh, Look out for the next edition in two weeks' time.